<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. This episode may include topics, references, or discussions around sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, or subject matters that may be disturbing to some of our listeners. We do acknowledge that this content may be difficult. We also encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. It's March 2012, and a small university town is gripped by dread once again. After two female students were found raped, and murdered within months of each other, while another male student was stabbed to death. For many, it brought back familiar feelings of profound helplessness that descended over the community two decades ago, when two students in their midst were savagely and cruelly murdered. A case of double murders so depraved that time has not diminished the shock I feel every time I read about what had happened. No, this is not the plot to a scary slasher movie. Nor are we back at the University of Florida to talk about the murders of the Gainesville Ripper again. But it is back to school in this special Halloween season of the last 24 hours, where we dive into some of your favorite horror movies inspired by true crime stories. This time, we're continuing the theme of campus murder and mayhem as inspired by our featured movie Scream by looking into the University of the Philippines Los Baños the setting of perhaps, and correct me if I'm wrong here, some of the most heinous crimes committed against students in the country. For many, college is a milestone life experience we usually all look back to with fondness. But for the UPLB class of 2011 to 2012, memories from this time in their collegiate life will be bittersweet. One of lasting friendships and learning, tainted with tragedy and the loss of innocence, it began on October 11, 2011. A yet-to-be-identified female was found dead on a shallow canal along the Institute of Plant Breeding Road. According to news reports, the victim's hands were bound behind her back with handcuffs, her mouth gagged, and the body marked with multiple stab wounds. The victim was also found with a gunshot wound on the forehead. Later, an autopsy would confirm that the victim had also been raped. After two days, she would be identified as 19-year-old third-year UPLB computer science student, Given Grace Sebanico. Police reports of the incident would reveal that Given Grace left her dorm at around 8 p.m. on a Monday to work on a group project at another classmate's dorm nearby. She returned to her dorm alone at 3 a.m., where she was abducted, robbed, and then taken to the dimly lit area of the IPB where she was sexually assaulted by two men. By Thursday, one of the suspects, a tricycle driver named Percival de Guzman, would be arrested and placed under custody. The second suspect, a security guard and the apparent mastermind, Lester Ivan Rivera, was tracked and arrested in Pampanga. UPLB Vice Chancellor for Community Affair released a statement that UPLB will exhaust whatever means it has into bringing Givens' perpetrators to justice. Meanwhile, just as her grieving family prepared to take her body home, UPLB students staged a candle lighting ceremony on campus to honor the young scholar 
and took to social media to demand justice and better campus security. The crime was a particular shock to many students who were under the impression that their school and its vicinity was a serene and safe place. UPLB, or LB to students, sits on 2,710 verdant acres that houses its academic facilities as well as experimental farms or agriculture and biotechnology research. The institution is also the designated caretaker of the 10,740-acre Makiling Forest Reserve. It's a vast, lush, and green paradise that can easily lull anyone to think that it's safe. But there are snakes in the grass. Just a few months after Given's death, the body of 14-year-old Los Baños National High Schooler, Rochelle Ronda, would be found in a junkyard near the slum area of Barangay Batong Malaki. Initial police investigations suggested the girl had been raped and then strangled as she was found with her pants coiled around her neck and her underwear pulled down on her legs. Although Rochelle was not a student of UPLB, many in the campus knew the victim as a familiar and cheerful Sampaguita seller at the university's Freedom Park. According to Rochelle's mother, the young girl was on her way to an internet cafe on the evening she went missing. Three weeks later, two men would be arrested in connection with her rape and murder. Fredolin Presenta, a 51-year-old security guard, and Alberto Sigue, the 30-year-old caretaker of the property where Rochelle's body was found. The community had barely gotten over the shock of another rape-murder incident when just a few weeks later, another UPLV student would be killed. At 1 a.m. on March 4, 2012, 19-year-old agriculture student Ray Bernard Peñaranda was on his way home with two other UPLV students when two men on a motorbike attacked them on the same area where Rochelle's body was found. Peñaranda was punched and then stabbed on the right chest by one of the suspects before announcing that they were being held up. In the commotion and panic, his companion scampered to get help. By the time Peñaranda was taken to the hospital at around 1.30 a.m., he was pronounced dead on arrival. Inquirer.net reported that the confessed lookout to the robbery 25-year-old Joseph Beltran surrendered to the authorities two days after the murder, revealing that he felt sorry for Peñaranda and then named 27-year-old Kare de Guzman and 19-year-old Tyron Terbio as the attackers on motorbikes. Later, it was learned that de Guzman, who was apprehended in Daraga Albay, is also related to one of Given's rapists, tricycle driver Percival de Guzman. In a media interview, Beltran admitted to tagging along when both suspects would target and rob UPLB students, while also revealing that they conducted their assaults under the protection of some policemen in Los Baños. In response, the Los Baños police force was temporarily placed under provincial command and a revamp of officers conducted. Calabarzon police director James Melad also announced that eight policemen had been placed under investigation for suspicion of coddling thieves who victimized UPLB students. UPLB students, meanwhile, took to social media once more to express their fear and anger over the rash of crimes and the authorities' perceived failure to curb it. I myself got so scared that I wouldn't go out at night because whether these were isolated cases or not, you can't help but wonder how these things could happen one after another in a single year? 
expressed a 22-year-old fourth-year comm art student, a sentiment echoed by many. The anxiety and dread is familiar and takes many back to the last time people in position of authority committed horrific acts that ended the lives of two ill-fated UPLV students. That time would be June 29, 1993. It's early morning at the UPLV police headquarters and the Kalawan Laguna police have brought in the lifeless body of an unidentified female found inside a white Toyota van. There are varying reports on the condition of the body, but one thing was consistent. The state of the corpse was shocking. While some reports indicated that the victim was found half naked and gagged with a gunshot wound on the right side of the face, other reports detailed that almost half of the victim's face was blown off. Her Giordano shirt was rolled up exposing her bare breasts. Also, her white short pants were shoved down to her ankles. It's unclear how the victim was eventually ID'd given the condition of her face, but later she was identified as 21-year-old UPLB agriculture student Eileen Sarmenta. Post-mortem examination would reveal that she had been sexually assaulted repeatedly and a sickening amount of semen was collected from her body. The shock over her murder had barely begun to register when another's body would be found just hours later. The body of Alan Gomez, another UPLB agriculture student, the 19-year-old was found dead in a dump site in Kalawan. Initial reports indicated that his body bore signs of torture and sustained two gunshot wounds, one to the back and one to the head. Later, it was learned that both students were last seen together at a popular UPLB hangout the night before. Witnesses claimed that on the evening of June 28, Eileen and Alan were waiting inside a parked Toyota Tamarau FX just off campus, when several men on an ambulance suddenly descended on the area and forced the students inside their vehicle. Eventually, the men would be identified as George Medialdea, Luis Corcolon, Rogelio Corcolon, Zoilo Ama, Pepito Kawit and Baldwin Brion. All were known henchmen of then Kalawan Laguna Mayor Antonio Sanchez, with George serving as his town's PNP chief. The investigation and the trial that followed immediately consumed the whole nation, as disturbing details of the atrocities committed on Eileen and Allen reveal a stunning disregard for human life, corruption at every turn, and deception on a perverted level from all suspects involved. Out of all the reprehensible characters that crept out of this vile incident, none was perhaps more detested than Kalawan Mayor Antonio Sanchez. Hi, ako si Earl, ang inyong Camp Master sa Philippine Campfire Stories Podcast. This podcast is about stories of myths, legends, and true horror stories from the Philippines narrated in Tagalog, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Listen to Philippine Campfire Stories available in all major podcast platforms. Antonio Sanchez the self-professed Marian devotee with a sketchy hairstyle had been lording it over in Kalawan for years as a corrupt politician and known gambling lord when he first met Eileen Sarmenta. 
It's unknown what made her decide to interview Sanchez for the school paper, but according to an Esquire article, this was when he began to take interest on Eileen. At the time, the mayor was already on trial for the 1991 murder of father and son Nelson and Rickson Peñalosa, his political rivals. In an interview with TV5, the police inspector assigned to the case, Rizaldi Garcia, speculated that the suspects must have started stalking Eileen then, which court records show was corroborated by accounts from Aurelio Centeno and Vicencio Malabanan, former aides of the mayor turned state witnesses, according to reports that they were also involved in the abduction, but apparently not the rape and murder. The two testified to witnessing the group of men involved in the crime prepare for the abduction on the day of June 28, 1993. After rounding up their accomplices on an ambulance driven by Centeno, Luis Corcolón announced to the group that the purpose of their gathering is to take a pretty young girl that the mayor has long desired and offer her to him as a gift. Adding that, her beauty is such that, quote, she's guaranteed to make their saliva drip, unquote. While the men stalked about UPLB campus in search of Eileen, Medialdea, the Calauan PNP chief, updated Sanchez of their progress. When they eventually found Eileen, they took her and her companion, fellow UPLB student Allen, to Sanchez's farm. Gagged and bound, Luis Corcolón presented Eileen to Sanchez saying, quote, Mayor, this is our gift to you, the girl you've been longing for. When Sanchez asked about Allen, Miguel replied that they brought him along to avoid complications. While Sanchez had his way with Eileen, his men passed the time by torturing Alan, striking the student repeatedly with their guns until he fell against the cement box. He survived that injury, but unfortunately, he won't survive the night. At around 1 a.m. on January 29th, Sanchez eventually emerged half-naked from his room with Eileen, thanked his men, and announced with satisfaction that he was finished with her. Then, he gave them his permission to do whatever they wanted with her. The men loaded both students back in the van, were en route to their next destination. Centeno, who was driving the ambulance behind the van, witnessed Pepito Kawit drag a bloody Gomez to the ground and shoot him in the head with his arm alive. After which, the group continued to their next destination, a sugarcane field, where all seven men took turns raping Eileen. According to Centeno, after the last man finished his turn with Eileen, she begged for her life, but the group was unmoved. Luis Corcolón gagged her again and shot her in the face with his armalite. On March 11, 1995, three years after the crime, with over a year of it in trial, Sanchez and his cohorts were each sentenced to seven years of reclusión perpetua, or a maximum of 40 years in prison. They were also asked to pay $11.5 million to the families as additional indemnity to which, as recent as in 2019, the family revealed they've yet to receive a single centavo. In 2019, Filipinos would relive the trauma of this crime again, when it was revealed that Sanchez could possibly get released from prison as the result of a revision on the Good Conduct Time Allowance Law. Public outrage was swift and resounding especially since it was revealed that Sanchez was caught multiple times with shabu and marijuana inside his jail cell. In 2010 alone, 
A kilo of shabu worth 1.5 million was discovered in the Blessed Mary statue he kept inside his cell. However, Cabinet Secretary Carlo Nograles clarified in an interview that Sanchez is not qualified under the law since the new provision excludes recidivists, habitual delinquents, escapees, and persons charged with heinous crimes. Sanchez died in prison of natural causes on March 27, 2021, at the age of 74, while three of his other accomplices have also passed away at varying times while serving out their sentences. After the rash of UPLB rapes and murders in 2011 and 2012, the Laguna Municipal Government installed 200 additional lampposts and promised to set up security cameras along dormitory strips and commercial areas. 30 more cops were also deployed to Los Baños, with 15 new outposts erected in place to beef up police visibility. Curfews, liquor bans, and anti-loitering ordinances were also imposed. The university, for its part, repositioned and enhanced security cameras, placed barrier at key points, and allocated budget for additional lighting in known high-risk areas. But while restrictions, barriers, and added cameras could deter a certain type of criminal, what will deter the kind of evil that uses their power and authority to grab people anywhere, at any time, to kill and rape at will? Tragically, we all know the truth, and it's enough to make anyone scream. You have just listened to the concluding episode of a special five-part Halloween series of the last 24 hours where we explore some of the scariest horror movies based on true crime stories. Follow and subscribe to The Last 24 Hours Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your podcast fix so you don't miss out on the rest of our Season 3 Fright Fest. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>